The U.S. men's national team is down to the last 30 players. And over the next few weeks, we're going to know who's going to be going on the plane to Brazil for the World Cup. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. With me, as always, is Ivis Galarsa. What's cracking, buddy? Oh, nothing much, Garrett. It's, uh, it's that time again. At first, we have to start out by apologizing for not coming through with a midweek show. Things are just crazy, crazy busy for both of us. I know I'm going crazy with all the World Cup prep, and I tell you what, all things being equal, we might have almost we almost didn't I we almost didn't do this show, but I think we got shamed into doing this show by by our listeners. No, I shamed you into doing this nah, show. That's what the problem I, was. You can't shame me because I don't I don't really care what you say. But when it comes to our listeners, it's the truth the truth finally comes out, Ivis. <laughs> yes, when our listeners uh, take to Twitter and point out how we fail to deliver then then we kind of have to deliver so here we are yeah we, we got called out during the week but but enough of that ivis we're back with the show lots to talk about uh you know we got to talk about obviously about uh, americans abroad you know the, some of the world cup rosters mls week 11 but before all of that ivis the u.s men's national team roster got announced you and i made our predictions on the sunday night show i cannot believe you beat me with your predictions so that that was a uh, not a happy moment in my life I'm pretty sure I was the money line favorite to win the uh, the pick contest between us. I did get Brad Davis, so that should give me some extra credit right there. No, no, no extra credit. I think the fact that I only beat you by one pick is uh, was the was the actual upset. <laughs> well, if you listen to the show, as you know, Ivis and I did predictions. We we said who Ivis and I predicted who we thought was going to go to the World Cup. Ivis had 28 right, I had 27. But 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 that's just besides the point. Ivis, when when the roster came out, what were, what were your immediate reaction, immediate thoughts when you saw the guys that were that were called in the camp? Well, I think like most people, you know, I, the the one name that stood out the most not being on the list was Eddie Johnson. Uh, you know, I think most a lot of people would have pegged him to be on it. Even though, yes, he's been out of form, and even though he made the controversial recent comments uh, about his teammates that I think were 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 kind of blown up a bit. Um, you know, once those things went down, uh, well, once that went down, and once you know, you look at the the form of the other other forwards in the pool, you could kind of understand Klinsmann's decision. And I don't I don't find many people really going crazy about it being a mistake. I mean, I know some people think it's a mistake. I know some people are saying it, but it it. It's almost as if people were surprised, but they understand. I think that's the consensus, and I and I, I'm in that same boat. I mean, I can understand why, but it was still a little. You know, I thought he would have been in the thirty. I thought he would have taken a chance on him. Yeah, I I think Eddie Johnson was the glaring one. I mean, overall though, you know, there were a couple other names in there. You know, the expected ones, I was, you know, Maurice Sadu is back in the mix. Uh, I mean, Chris Wondolowski, I mean, who's been in great form, was called in the camp. You know, we, all three goalkeepers, Howard, Guzan. Romando, but but I mean there were some other names out there. I mean DeAndre Yedlin. I mean you said on the show Sunday that you know it was kind of hinting with Jurgen saying that Yedlin would get called in the camp. Right. Actually, I, think, I believe it was Siggy Schmidt who let the cat out of the bag a little bit uh, late last week. I think he said something about the team you know would have to be without Dempsey, Evans, and Yedlin for some time. And I think that you know people saw that like, oh okay, there you go. And it's interesting because when you think about that. If Yellen knew before last weekend, then maybe that was weighing on him on his mind when he went into that New England game, and maybe he was distracted. 
uh, which you know it happens. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, a young young kid like that, he finds out he's he's made it to the World Cup training camp. I could see if I could see a kid from like that freaking out in that situation and thinking about it and overthinking things and feeling like he's under the under the under the uh, microscope a bit even more than normal. Um, and so that maybe that contributed to the awful awful game he had against New England. Uh, but as I said in that last show, you know, I I, I honestly can see him being in camp more as as a someone to give a look to to other players to starters uh you know with his blazing speed his ability to get up and down the wing you know if, if you're going to kind of have your scout team uh to give the starters a look you know he, he I think he can give you that and and I know some people will say oh that's not really fair to say he has zero chance to make the team but he's the longest of the long shots he I mean he's a longer shot than Julian Green he's a longer shot than Wondolowski uh longer even shot Brad- than Joe Corona Oh, you're going. Yeah, just, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Brad Davis is, is probably the second for me, second longest shot, so to speak. But Yedlin is a, is a serious long shot. I think the experience that he can get, and I think the looks that he can give, uh, kind of as a scout team player, I think those are the reasons why he made this team. Well, when you look at the rest of the roster, though, as I just mentioned, you know, Joe Corona getting called into camp. I mean, he's a guy that really hasn't shown. Much you know, and I don't want to say promise, but really hasn't flourished under under Jurgen Klinsmann. What did you think about his inclusion into the roster? Well, I got to say, Joe Corona, you know, it was that was kind of a pleasant surprise for me because I, I thought I've always liked him as a player. I've always thought you know the qualities that he can bring, uh, both wide and in the middle of the field. I thought I thought he's someone who deserved a look. You know, he he's really overcome that the the rough uh, first half of the season where he you know he wasn't getting much playing time. He had, he he had dealt with some injuries, uh, and and you know once they made the coaching change there, and once you got into the Klausuda season, he he really stepped it up. He got more playing time. He was a big part of their run through the run, uh, their deep run into the Concacaf Champions League. So I thought he showed some real qualities there. And uh, you know the reason I, I won't say oh he's a long shot, long shot, or one of the longest. Of long- I mean he is. He's in that seven. He's on the bubble. I mean that I'll give you. But for me, I mean, I like his chances. I think, you know, I know some a good number of people will, will think of Mix Discrude as someone who has a lock in a position. But I think Joe Corona Joe is going to give him all he can handle. And I think it really is going to come down to, to those two. I think um, it's going to be one of those two. I, I think one of those two will make the team uh, unless Klinsman decides to go really defensive uh, with his midfield picks and, and brings in Marisa Du and Kyle Breckman together. Uh, but if he decides to balance things out a bit, I think Corona is battling with this group for that spot. Well, I, when you look at the whole roster as a whole, you know, obviously you're always going to have that discussion of whether or not this guy should be called in, that guy should be called in. But you and I both kind of had the agreed consensus that we thought Tim Ream was going to get called in the camp. What was up with that? Well, I got to say, Tim Ream being left off was, uh, for me, almost more surprising than Eddie Johnson being left off. And I know some people might think that's a little crazy, but I just think the momentum of, of Ream's kind of candidacy over the last few weeks, uh, you, you got, you almost felt like he was making, he was going to make it. You know, the whole him coming to train in New York and uh, him winning Bolton Player of the Year and finishing the season, you know, a, as a regular starter there and and, and doing so well at, at a variety of positions. I think. Everything pointed to him being in that mix, and I thought, you know, when you, when you thought about, okay, if, are they going to bring five center backs? He should be one of the five. So, so it, it, it was surprising to me. It was, it definitely was, and and I'm not sure what more he could have done. You know, between the versatility, the the consistency from a defensive standpoint, um, you know, you, you, it was it was surprising. I must say, but 
I, I think the four, the top four center backs, I think, are pretty set. Mm-hmm. Um, John, uh, you know, Beasler, Gonzalez, Goodson, and, and John Brooks, and and I think it's just, I think it's going to be those four at this point. So, yeah, I'm a, I was a little surprised by that, but it, you know, Tim Reeves is not exactly an old guy. I, maybe he'll have a ch- he'll chance in another four years. I think he's, I think he's a pretty good player, and. You know what? His uh, the future is pretty bright for him right now. As, as far as the rest of the guys that were left off the roster, did did anyone's you know inc- you know not, not being that not being called up surprise you? I mean, Brakshay, Lurgan Klinsman's boy, did not get called in the camp. I mean, that that's not too surprising. But I mean, was there anyone else that you kind of sat there and said, "Man, I, I would really love to see this guy get an opportunity to compete for that for that opportunity to go to Brazil." Uh, you know, surprises. Uh, that, well, that's the thing. Like I, I, I've said for a while, like the depth of this of this group, the depth of the pool. Uh, it was going to be a case of there are players that you you come away feeling they could have made it, but are they surprises as far as being left off? I, I don't know if there were that many. I think Eddie Johnson was a surprise. I think that's a pretty clear one. Uh, but some of the other ones that you could say might have been, you know, there were there were reasons for for them being left off. Michael Michael Orozco had had the injury. Uh, Danny Williams, also in a, a poorly timed injury. Both those guys, I think, stood out for me. Um, you know, someone like Jose Torres, you know, you never got the sense that he really had a chance to, to make it. And he's coming off a really good year. And I don't know what I don't know what happened there. I don't know if it's a case of maybe Klinsman just not feeling he was a good fit for the system. Uh, I think that played a part. And I mean, even Sasha Question, you know, at the end of the day, he wasn't really a surprise because he's lost his starting job at Anderlecht. He's not even playing there. Uh, and, and it's pretty crazy to think he actually has had such a – he's had a great season at Anderlecht up until this past month or so or past few months where he's fallen out of favor there. And, I mean, we're talking about a season that he scored eight goals, a career high, uh, a career high for him. Uh, actually, I just put, put together a, a goal.com, all uh, Americans Abroad Best eleven. And I put him on it because, you know what, as a whole, for the whole body of work of a season, mm-hmm. I thought he had a pretty good season. It just hasn't ended well with him losing his job, but his starting job. But he, he still put those goals in. He still had a pretty good season. Uh, but, yeah, I think those are some of the names that kind of maybe stood out the most for me. But I, I'd say Reem and Johnson, I, I think, are, are, are the top two on that list. Well, obviously, over the next few weeks, we're going to see some uh, battles in training camp emerge. Obviously, a lot of spots up for grab. You know, I, I think there's maybe a few guys that you say that they're locks. You know, Tim Howard's a lock. Michael Bradley's a lock. Um, and then Clint Dempsey's also a lock. But, but after that, Ivis, I mean, you have a lot of guys competing for a lot of different positions. You know, when you look at the training camp battles, positional-wise. What are you most looking at right now? What's the most glaring one? Is it right back, center back? Is it the forward spot? Which one right now is the number one kind of that you're going to be focusing on? Well, I tell you what. Right now, for me, uh, I think it's early. I think it's early to start talking about uh, starting job battles. I really do. I think what matters now, especially in the early part of the training camp, is the roster battle that are taking place. I mean, I know some people will, will already want to get to that and dig into the whole who's going to start, who's going to start. But right now, the first thing on the agenda is figuring out who the seven people are that you're going to take off this team, off of the preliminary roster. And it's not going to be easy. Uh, it's not going to be an easy process. So I think for me, those that's what matters right now, not not who's going to start. That's going to take I'm, time. I'm sorry. Yeah, I meant, I meant, what, I meant positions, not starting, because we can start, talk starting when the 23s announced. I meant, I meant what uh, uh, positional battles are you gonna be paying attention to that's what that's what i meant to say you're still saying position it's it's roster you know you know what i mean you know what i mean it's early for me out here at the west coast come on uh all right killing me ivis oh yeah we're killing each other 
Uh, well, roster battles. Yes. Obviously, that's what people want to talk about, or people should be talking about. Although some people are already digging in, uh, you know, writing about other things. But uh, I'd say uh, the, the, there's a handful that stand out to me. I think obviously forward Terrence Boyd and Chris Wondolowski are going to be locked in a really good battle uh, in the mid in the midfield. Corona and Disgrude, I think, is another battle. Uh, Brad Davis and Julian Green, I think, is one. I think you're going to see one of those guys in Brazil, and I think right now Julian Green's the favorite there. Uh, and then obviously Mauricio doing Kyle Beckerman. Um, you know, it's funny. You know, a while back, a month or so ago, you know, the talk was, you know, maybe they that they aren't really battling. That maybe they could both go, but you know what? They're probably both battling because um, I think I don't think Klinsman brings the both of them. I think Klinsman brings one of them, and and then brings. Uh, Corona or Discru, just to give himself kind of a good balance between. Uh, I would, oh, and I have to say, uh, fullback, right slash right back, Timmy Chandler uh, versus Brad uh, Evans versus Michael Parker's. I think that's a big battle uh, as well. And I like. I tell you what, I like Timmy Chandler's chances. I know some people were even shocked that he made the team. And for me, I never was. I thought I, I've been saying it for, for from jump that not only does he make the thirty, but he can make the twenty three. He could be starting in Brazil. He has that kind of quality, and I really, I really feel like a lot of American fans have forgotten that fact. Where do you put a guy like uh, like John Brooks? Is he right now the fourth center back, Ivis? Yeah, I mean, when you look at the group here, he is. I mean, Klinsman le- left out of Gucciniewu, uh left out Tim Ream, Michael Orozco got injured, uh, and you look at what's there. Until we hear otherwise, until we hear Klinsman come out and say, uh, "I'm moving Jeff Cameron to center back," or I'm I'm going to try out Maurice do at center back. Uh, it almost you know it doesn't seem like there's a competition. It seems like the four center backs are pretty much going to be set. Obviously, if Brooks struggles badly in camp, mm-hmm. then maybe maybe then you could see some changes, or a combination of Brooks struggling and Timmy Chandler looking really really good. I think in that instance, Klinsman might then start thinking about Cameron moving to center back. I think that's a possibility. But for right now, Brooks is the guy. Uh, he's the number four guy, and, and he's going to have that chance to compete. He's, he, he finished the year pretty well. Obviously, it hurts that he got a starting job back, played well down a stretch. Uh, by all accounts, he even won Bundesliga Player of the Year, one of the, one of the, I mean, of the Bundesliga Player of the Week, one of the weeks. And, uh, you know, so from that standpoint, he's got a chance. Uh, is he, does he have a chance to start? I don't see that. But he is in the top four, and maybe he moves himself up into the top three. Also, what, what about a guy like Michael Parkhurst? Because, you know, he, he has played right back for the U.S. men's national team, and it's interesting because when you look at the whole right back, Ivis, you have Jeff Cameron, Brad Evans, Michael Parkhurst, Timmy Chandler, and DeAndre Edlin. You have five guys who can play right back. Where, where does Parkhurst fit into all of that? I don't think he's a center back in any, on the international level, and I know some people might try to say, oh, you know, he can play there. No, no. You, you can't get away with that. You can't. I mean, honestly, you're not going to have a partnership with Beasler and Parkers, right? Uh, and if and if you don't have Be- and Beasler's going to be on the field, right? I mean, if knock if knocking on wood, if he ha- if he's healthy, he's on the field. So you're not going to have Beasler and Parkers as a combo. And and I, I just don't think he's physical enough for the international level. I know he's uh, absolutely outstanding MLS uh, center back, and he's done it before uh, in his first go round in MLS. But the international game is a whole other animal. And uh, I think he's a very solid fullback option, both right and left back. But I think you have him and then you have Tim Chandler. You're not going to bring both of them. You're going you're to bring one of those two. And uh, that's the battle, right? Um, or I should say you're going to bring two of the following three, in my opinion. You're going to bring either 
Tim, uh, Brad Evans, Tim Chandler, and Michael Parkhurst. And I know a lot of people have had Brad Evans penciled in for some time, but I don't think his position is as, is as nearly as safe as it was, you know, four or five months ago. It def- I don't think it is at all. And he also doesn't have that versatility that those guys have. I know he's played some left back for Seattle lately uh, because of some of the injuries that they've had, but no, he is not. Uh, he is not anywhere near as viable a left back option as either Chandler or Parker. So I think, from that standpoint, they have that edge because they're more versatile than he is. Uh, but you know, Klinsman's always liked Evans, so that so they they all have a chance. That's that's a three horse race for me. And I, I like Chandler. I think if Chandler's on his game, he's he has more upside than the other two guys. Well, I was think about this. In a month from now, USA plays Ghana. It's just a month away from us doing this show. And in ten days, USA takes on Azerbaijan. So I mean look, we're gonna see a lot by that game to see kind of where guys are, are, are fitting in. When you when you look at this over over the next few weeks, because I know you're going out to San Francisco. I mean, what are you most looking forward to over the next few weeks with this US men's national team camp? Well, I mean, I mean, obviously we're gonna you know do the interviews and stuff, and that is what it is. But I'm looking forward to the games. I think the games are really the telltale, uh, you know, the the results of the work, uh, and we'll see who Klinsman has been impressed by, who Klinsman is giving minutes to, giving starts to. I think that you know those are going to be the games that tell us Azerbaijan and Turkey, because those are the two games before the 23 man roster is chosen. So those are the two opportunities that these guys are going to have to really show what they can do. And uh, as far as I know, we won't have the media does not have access to watch all the training sessions. We watch like, you know, there's like 15 minutes and it's always, I was, I bless you. I was, uh, you. I was, I was pointing, I was mentioning this last night to someone that uh, is going to go to their first training session. And they asked about the whole 15 minutes thing. And the 15 minutes we get to watch is generally 15 minutes of nothing, 15 minutes of stretching, uh, the t- or whatever it is, the team makes it a point to not be doing anything worth watching during those 15 minutes. They're not going to like line up in the starting lineup or anything like that. Uh, <laughs> they're pretty, they're pretty careful about that stuff. So they're not going to give a lot away. We're not, so we're not really going to see much. What we do have are those games and those games are really going to show us a who Klinsman has been impressed with because he's given, you know, certain people minutes and it'll show us what kind of form these guys are in. Uh, Azerbaijan's not a, not this not an amazing opponent in the first game, but it's a good tune-up. It's a good first kind of you know chance for some guys. But then that Turkey game, I can tell you what that Turkey game is going to be real, real good test uh, for this U.S. team. I'm looking forward to it, man. We should put up what eight goals in Azerbaijan. I I'm not going to predict because I feel like in the past <laughs> in the I, I, tell, no, I tell you what I feel like in the past the U.S. has had these kind of cupcake friendly matchups and and it hasn't quite worked out that way where they were going to run the table it's their first game of this run-up um so from that standpoint i don't know if the goals are the goal total is going to matter as much as the soccer as much as the kind of them showing that there's some kind of continuity some understanding uh and yeah obviously you'd like to see josie altador get a few goals and start building that momentum uh, but yeah, it's uh, you know a couple weeks away now. Uh, before that, uh, I'll be out there. Uh, I get there Tuesday, uh, and I'll be there uh, all the way through the Azerbaijan game. Then I come back home, uh, and we'll be here for the Turkey game, and then I'll be off to Jacksonville for the Nigeria game, which is a big game. Also, it's a big game because mm-hmm. it's that last real test. I know the U.S. has a closed door scrimmage with Belgium uh, down in Brazil, but. That Nigeria game is going to be a good game to to kind of get them ready for Ghana. And look, Nigeria is not Ghana, right? I mean, that's 
stylistically, yes, they're both African teams, but you know, there's some some things that, that maybe they can help give you a look on. But you know what? I think Ghana is a more dynamic team. Uh, they have more speed. They have more attacking weapons in Nigeria. But Nigeria will still be a really good test, and I, and I think you know you could argue it's the toughest test. Of the oh, three. Well, Nigeria is going to the World Cup. I mean, yeah, just go ahead and base it off that. Nah, yeah, I mean, but no, Turkey's tough, man. Turkey is very good, and I mean, Arda Arda Turan, uh, you know, is doing his thing at Atletico. We'll see how much he has left in the tank after they finish the La Liga season, play in the Champions League final. Hopefully, Turan actually plays in that friendly because I mean, he. He's he's the man for them, uh, and uh, I actually remember him uh, playing really well in the last send-off series uh, down in Philly in uh, back in 2010. So th- I'm looking forward to those matches. Those matches are, are, are going to be fun, fun to watch, and 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 you know, hopefully they hopefully we don't have some scary results that leave U.S. fans even more worried about the group of death. You know, over the next month, how many days you're going to be home? Like two. Three, five, maybe. Uh, starting Tuesday, uh, I will be. No, I'll be at home. I mean, I'll be home around the U.S. game, obviously. I mean, uh, around the Turkey game because okay. thank the ten, thankfully the Turkey game is here in Jersey, so that that'll uh, that'll buy me some time to kind of hang out and and get things ready and get 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 packed up. I, I think uh, everything's ready to go for me. I got my visa. I, I picked up my visa, you know, recently my Brazilian visa. Which, if you don't have it by now, you better get it ASAP because the clock's ticking. I just, I just took somebody to pick up their visa yesterday, and, and their date to pick it up is July is June second. So uh, you're running out of time if you if you don't have it yet. You better hurry up and go get it. So uh, yeah, clock's ticking. Okay, I was gonna say because I mean, if you're gonna for more days than that, and you know, you you know, your sons need a positive male influence in their life. You know, I could fly over to Jersey and take care of them if you want. Yeah. Who's gonna? You need someone taking care of you, let alone you. uh, I I do have that. I'm I'm domesticated. I had to vacuum yesterday. It was perhaps Uh, one of the worst experiences of my life. I picture you wearing an apron right now. I wasn't doing that, but I was like, I I mean, vacuuming. What is that? It's horrible. It's. I I, had you. Who turned it on for you? That's. I figured that out by myself. It took me a little bit. Oh, you still had the instruction manual. That's good job. That's good job by you. I did struggle. I did struggle having to like you know. Pull it down and everything. All right, enough of that, Ivis. Uh, well, Ivis moving over to the Americans abroad front. Josie Altador and Sunderland pulled off a late season miracle, avoiding relegation this past week. His manager Gus Poyet talked a little bit about Josie Altador, and he had a lot of positive things to say. and And Gus Poyet seems to really like what Josie Altador brings to the table. Yeah, I mean, Poyet, I gotta say, Poyet had some uh, pretty positive and encouraging things to say about uh, about Josie Altador, and uh, you know, most people looking at his goal production might not have expected uh, Poyet to kind of sing his praises, but I think Poyet's a realist, and I think he understands that you know sometimes a player in his first year with a new club can struggle, and obviously Altador took it to a whole other level, but at the same time, I think he did he did kind of battle through that and did show a willingness to work and put in the work there. Uh, which is why he continued to earn minutes down the stretch as they were in the middle of a relegation battle. And that's not easy to do, right? I mean, you have to really uh, regain the trust of a manager to get put on the field in those kind of big matches, especially when you're not producing goals. And, uh, you know, obviously, I don't even think Poyet's locked up yet for the next season i think he could still make a move so it's still really up in the air what's going to happen with uh with altador if he's going to stay if he's going to go uh but I, I will say i don't think any i don't anyone who thinks it's a done deal he's leaving i think that's not even close to being the case yet uh i think it 
I think the World Cup's going to say a lot about what happens, and I think Poyet, where Poyet ends up being for next season, is going to say a lot. If he leaves, then who knows what what the new manager is going to going to want to do, you know? And if Altidore has a big World Cup, that could also affect things. Yeah, I, I, hey, he had, I mean, he had nice things to say. I mean, he said he likes him, uh, you know, as a person, as a player. You know, he always gave us a hand when he worked. I mean, I was, do you think? I mean, part of it was just. I mean, first off, as we know, Sunderland. Was 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 not good this year. Let's face it; they 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 could not connect up the field. Their play in the final third was atrocious. I mean, that obviously had to have a hand in Josie Altidore not doing that well. But I mean, do you think a part of it also was adjusting to a much better league and much better competition versus the Dutch league? Which, no offense, I mean, it's not the English Premier League. Well, I don't think. It, well, the league obviously is tougher, but I think it it did have a lot to do with the, with the service and and the fact that you know he went from being on an AZ team that at the time that he was there was stacked with attacking talent in the midfield and they and he had no lack of service there right i mean he he had he had his chances and he put them away uh, at Sunderland, the chances just really didn't come that often and even Jurgen Klinsmann himself uh you know came out uh recently in the in the the new ESPN show the the US national team show and he he pointed that out that you know as a as a you know as a striker you know, you you know, if you like to see your midfield set, you know, giving you like four or five chances, and you'll put away two of those. But if you're not getting any chances, then what are you supposed to do? And I think Klinsman realized that, and I think to some degree Poyet realized that. So that's not to say Altador is blameless, and that's not to say he, he he has no part to play in, in the struggles that he went through this year. But it, you know, people writing him off, I think that's crazy. I, th- I just, I, I just think it's crazy to that, you know, to say that, to think that a he doesn't have quality, and b uh, that somehow his rough season means he shouldn't be on the national team, he shouldn't be starting on the national team. The quality is still there, folks, and uh, if he can get his confidence kind of balanced, then he can kind of get his feel good vibe back. He's going to start putting those goals back in, and I think he'll go into the World Cup on on some pretty good form. Uh, around the league, Ivis, we're bringing it back to the World Cup, as you mentioned, Josie Altidore. The rest of the world has announced all of their rosters, which is also interesting to see who gets called up for the national team, who doesn't get called up for the national team. Carlos Tevez, who hasn't played for Argentina since 2011, not on the provisional roster. Another surprising one. This one's actually surprising, but but if you if you understand kind of the the, the French manager and, and his relationship with Samir Nasri, it's not expected that he didn't get called up. But I mean, what did you think about those two guys not going, uh, not getting named to the provisional rosters for the World Cup, Ivis? Well, I think the initial reaction. Well, with Tevez, I, I think people saw it coming. I think I don't think that was a surprise, really. Uh, I just think that there's just other options there, and. Uh, even though he did have a good season in, in Italy, uh, you know, I think he just had ended up being the odd man out. As far as Nasri goes, yes, I know he, he he's done well for Man City, but the guy has a history of being a pain in the ass on on the French national team. And at a certain point, you pay the price for your reputation, right? No doubt about it. Like he he's been in, he's caused problems before for the national team uh, on national team duty. So. I don't. I don't know if anyone's really shedding tears for him uh, on that front. And it was funny. His girlfriend, I guess, reacted <laughs> to him getting snubbed by completely trashing the manager and the entire national team on was it Twitter? On Twitter, or, she. She. I forget what she said, but it was uh, pretty it, good we, though. We, we, we can't repeat what she said. Let's just put it that way. Or this uh, would be the eighth show that to feature a curse word in it. Yeah, well, there's there's casual curse words. But That's true. That is extreme, true. Extreme, extreme curse <laughs> words. But, uh, no, but yeah, no. So, I mean, you know what? The, it, I For me, 
which and it's always every every World Cup is the case. Uh, I was more amazed by the people left off of the Brazil roster, and and we say it every four years. You could take the Brazilian bat, like the snubs of the Brazil team, and make a team, and that team would make it like to the quarters of the World Cup. Uh, I mean, you know, when you just look at the names like Ronaldinho, Kaká, Robin—is uh, Robinho on the team? Did he make it? Did Robinho make the final thirty? Uh, well, Lucas Moura, Lucas Moura is uh, the uh, you know the PSG youngster, all the talent in the world. I mean, it, it's you know. It's unbelievable some of the some of the talent that Brazil was able to leave off of their team. So uh, you almost you know, part of you almost wishes like man, if only there was like a market secondary market and, and, and national teams could go and kind of borrow some of these guys to help them out. But obviously that's not how it works, and that's not the whole point, right? It's representing your country. Uh, but one player who did make it, Giuseppe Rossi, the American, has made the has made he's an American. He'll tell you he's American. He's made the Italian national team. And, uh, you know, hopefully he stays healthy and he can play in the World Cup and, uh, you know, realize that dream that he's been, uh, you know, trying to achieve for some time now, especially after missing out back in 2010. Uh, to answer your question, Robinho did not make the Brazil World they, Cup roster. But, but let's face it, Brazil's going to fall, fall, you know, fall on their face in the group stage. They're not even going to get out of that. I mean, come on. Okay. Now you're, you're, you're drunk. If you think that they're they're, I'll tell you what, man, they're going to they're at least getting to the semis. I'm just going to put it down. Obviously, come on. They're going to win. If Brazil doesn't win the World Cup, that's a major thing. Come on. They're they're the favorites coming in. They have to be. Well, yeah, I think. Well, you know what? If it's Brazil, I I tell you what, man. Brazil, Argentina final. I feel like it's inevitable. Neymar, Messi, Argentina, Brazil, all South American final. Who Uh, wins? I don't I have no idea. I have no idea. You like you you know maybe you see Messi finally uh, get over the hump there and 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 kind of complete his resume with that World Cup, but Brazil man winning in Brazil is not going to be easy. No, it's it's not going to be. I think I think the World Cup final is probably going to be like uh, Australia and Honduras. I think for sure it's going to be like two teams that so under the radar. <laughs> I just no one's going to expect them. Yeah, that that doesn't happen, sir. That doesn't happen in the World Cup. How do you, it could happen. I just come on. Anything could happen. I'm I'm hosting this show. See, things could happen. That's yeah. That wasn't that much of a long shot. <laughs> uh, we'll speak. <laughs> Speaking of World Cups, Ivis, ESPN put out a really scathing report on the World Cup in Qatar, kind of talking about all of the uh, human rights issues, the deaths, and just kind of just the bad just juju that, that's going on with uh, with Qatar. And, and if you have not had an opportunity to see that, but for people who haven't seen it, Ivis, can you kind of explain what the ESPN E60 report was uh, on the future World Cup there? Bad juju. What is that? Well, I couldn't have that bad. I, I was going to say Mojo, but for some reason Juju came out. A bad Karma? Bad Karma, that? I guess, yeah. Yeah. I Ju- Juju. I don't know why Juju came out, though. That Juju Beans? I, maybe. I, I don't know. I don't know. But I was enough about... <laughs> witchcraft? You're into witchcraft now? See, this is what happens when we record the show this early on the West Coast. <laughs> I'm blaming you. Uh, well, hey, that's what coffee's for. Man. I do. But, I know. Uh, I do have my coffee. You got to have it. Well, yeah. look. The ESP, look, the ESP, if you haven't seen it, you have to see it. I don't know when they're going to replay it. At one point, uh, a version of it leaked onto the internet, and we put it up on SBI. And before you know it, they locked it down. And it, it, it was an unbelievable report on what's going on in Qatar with the working conditions and and the immigrant labor force they have there. Basically, long story short, Qatar doesn't have the manpower 
to to you know build the things that need they need to have built, including World Cup stadiums. And it sounds like people, uh, immigrant workers, are dying by the hundreds uh, mm. because of awful working conditions there. And things are only going to get worse as they get ready to start building these World Cup stadiums. So it's just an, a big, just an ugly black eye for Qatar and for FIFA. Uh, and and it's scary that you know in the report uh, a, there was a projection made that uh, that four thousand workers could die in the process of building these World Cup stadiums, and that's just ridiculous. And uh, you know what? Uh, I hope I tell you what the report definitely sent some shockwaves because the next day uh, Qatar uh, you know made announcements about changes and about improvements in the in 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 working conditions and and living conditions for their workers conveniently enough you know they they, the day after they come out with all this stuff and now set bladder on friday morning or on friday in europe uh came out and acknowledged that that uh, qatar was a mistake and that giving qatar the world cup was a mistake but that comment wasn't even about the the that report or about the working condition issues. It was more because of the fact that Qatar is probably going to have to have the World Cup in the winter, which is going to cause all sorts of problems in the in the European winter. We're talking November, December, and that's going to MLS is going to love that, but uh, you know the the, the European leagues are going to are absolutely going to hate that. It, it, it it's uh, and it's just basically everything that was promised by Qatar was a lie and. It's absolutely unbelievable that even with that, it doesn't seem like they're going to lose the World Cup. And they absolutely should. And I know some people will say, oh, you're American. You just want the World Cup in America. Uh, you know, whatever. I'm yeah, like, why not? USA. I don't, USA. Listen, I don't care where it is. I just don't think it should be in Qatar. Put it in Australia. Put it anywhere but Qatar. Because they, I mean, they have blood on their hands. Uh, you feel like there was some shadiness with the bidding. There's no way they didn't pay people off. It's just, it's just. There's been all sorts of evidence to show that that there were payoffs made. It, it, it was, it's just unbelievable. I mean, obviously, money talks and corruption is rampant in FIFA, but you'd like to hope that you know between now and then something's done, and maybe they and and hopefully, hopefully they move the World Cup. Well, it's just I bring it back to the to the original proposal. When they said they were going to build a forty thousand seat stadium in a city that had four thousand people, I mean, how, how did seriously no one sit there and go, wait, 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 what's going to happen to the stadium afterwards? I, 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 just, I saw, I once well, I saw, they don't this, that, they, oh, I know, they don't I know, but it's just, it's just like stupidity like that that was in the bid process. I mean, it, it, I know, I know, it just shows the corruption. But I, I once I saw, I saw a similar report like this about all of the. Uh, the um the hired labor from from countries like Nepal that was in uh, the United Arab Emirates and, and they talked about kind of the same thing you know people building those structures and dying and stuff like that it's sad man it's sad to see that stuff and I mean hopefully FIFA does something about this sooner rather than later because it's it's going to be a black eye Ivis it's going it's going to look really bad in 2022 when, when all the teams and the whole in the whole world has its eye on Qatar I don't even want to think that far ahead my man because hey. The world, the twenty. We got. Let, let's think. Let's first of all, let's focus on Brazil. I don't even want to think that far ahead. It's just sad, and and, and you hope something happens. But let's focus on Brazil, and 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 there's also 2018 in Russia, and who knows if that's even going to happen, right? I mean, the way things are going right now with Russia, we might be in in the middle of a war. No, with Russia by then, stop so. it, Ivis. Come hey, on. It's, I, I know you don't watch the news. Or, I or, I do or watch any. the news. I have no, I have know. I can break down what's going on with Russia and Ukraine and Crimea pretty well, and that's a so, European issue. So our that's country just a way should, and our country. That's a European issue. You don't think that's an that's a world issue, really? 
All right, no, so that's a European issue. Changing the theme of the no, show. That's, that's no, that's no, seriously, that's a European issue. Our country should not get involved. That that has nothing to do with us well, and Russian listen, nationals. There's your and, and fantasy world country. that you would love to exist, and then there's reality. But we can talk about that some other time. Let's talk about soccer. I subscribe to Woodrow Wilson's policy in the early 20th century of USA staying out of international affairs. Or I think George Washington one time said USA should stay out of all foreign wars. That's how this country should be. I'm sure everyone listening to the show will agree with me. Enough about that, Ivis. said well, off my soapbox. Know, if, if things were like they were 100 years ago, I have a feeling a lot of people would not be happy. So I that, think we should well, yeah, that's also true. All, all right, all right. Take it easy, <laughs> Ivis. That's besides the point. Uh, time to bring it back to soccer. Ali Sai show. No. Hey, hey I, I would love to. Yeah, yeah. I would love to talk politics. I would love for us to do. I, no, I, you'd really, you'd really, we'd have no followers. Then. That's we'd not have true. No that's not we'd true, have... dude. I, I read the news every day. I listen to NPR twenty four seven. The less you say, that's awesome. The that's, that's not let's, true. Let's move on. Let's that's move not on. true. All right, I was time to move on. I'm Lead moving the show on. Right I'm moving the show on. You are not moving the show. You've on. already ruined the show. No, you ruined the show. <laughs> I ruined the show from episode one. Uh, time to talk about MLS Week 11. Philadelphia, Ivis, coming off a big win over this week, defeating uh, Sporting Kansas City. Tr- excuse me, defeating Sporting Kansas City 2-1. to one. Mr. Hustle, Danny Cruz, gets the opening goal. Christian Maidana scores the match winner in the 81st minute. So, Ivis, Philadelphia gets a win, snaps their nine-match win this streak, and their congratulations is... They have to face the New England Revolution, who's pretty hot right now. Ivis, does Philadelphia take another step back, or do they keep the good things going and defeat New England this weekend? Well, let's take it one step at a time. That was an absolutely huge win for the Union, and it's crazy to think that you know they absolutely lay an egg at home against DC United last weekend, no doubt about it. And you and you came away from that match thinking. John Hackworth can't survive this, right? And 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 it's funny. If anything, the scheduling. Uh, saved his saved him at, because you know what if you're a team and your team if you're like team management you're an owner you're 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 the front office people of a team and your team has a midweek game are you going to fire your manager on Monday if they don't have that I, t- I honestly believe if they didn't have that Wednesday game I think Hackworth would have been fired uh, but he wasn't and he stuck it out and they and his team after not delivering for him on Saturday. They step up, they deliver for him on Wednesday. And not only do they deliver for him with, with a really impressive uh, effort in Kansas City, but the reaction after the first goal, after the Danny Cruz goal, was priceless. And for those of you who missed it, after Danny Cruz scored the goal, the entire team ran over and hugged John Hackworth in a really strong show of support. Uh, they are behind him. They have not given up on him. They haven't tuned him out. They 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 aren't ready for a change. And and they and they look like they showed that. They showed that this weekend. I mean, they showed that on Wednesday, beating a really tough Kansas City team. And and look, KC didn't come to play either. Maybe they overlooked them. Maybe they 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 were feeling a little good, a little happy about destroying Montreal over the weekend. So they came in maybe overconfident. Whatever the case, the Union finally stepped up. And what was interesting to me is the Union. When you want to talk about the quality of soccer they played. They've played better soccer than they played in this match in in a lot of their losses and a lot of their non you know all these non wins in the nine match winless streak, but this time around what was there was the effort and the defensive effort the organization they avoided mistakes and they took their chances and you know what they'll take that it better to have an ugly win than a pretty loss and and that's really. All it's been for the union in in 2014 has been pretty 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 losses for them because you know they they'll play quality soccer they won't finish they'll make a boneheaded error. Uh, Amobia Kugo, gotta give him credit. 
the guy uh, gets moved up to his preferred position, defensive midfielder, and he played extremely well, playing in place of Marisa Du, and, and he was a big part of that win for them. Now they play New England, the hottest team in the league. It's not going to be easy, but if we've learned anything by now, it's that even the biggest mismatches or even the, the games that seem the easiest to predict end up going the other way. Mm-hmm. So for me, as well as New England is playing, uh, you have to point out, They've never won in Philly. And for I think that combination of that and combination of the good vibes coming off of that KC win, I'm going to go Union in an upset. Uh, or the, the good juju coming off of that victory. Oh, You're killing me. <laughs> uh, another game, Toronto FC hosting uh, the New York Red Bulls. Ivis, Toronto, without Michael Bradley, he's called into camp. But then you could say, oh, well, you know, New York doesn't have Tim Cahill. But New York's done pretty good without Tim Cahill over the last few games. I mean, Bradley Wright Phillips, Tyrion Ree, really stepping up for New York. And once again, we see Toronto without Michael Bradley. And for them, playing a pretty hot New York Red Bulls, it's going to be very difficult for Toronto to pull off a victory over New York this weekend. Red Bulls are hot. They just gave up five goals to a team that hadn't won a game all year. How hot are they? Well, it's just one game, Ivis. But overall, their form has been their, their form as of late has been pretty good. Take it easy. Eh, they've beaten some teams that weren't exactly monsters, and they're they're. they're uh, I still feel like there's a little bit of fool's gold going on with this team. And yes, Michael Bradley will be missing, but I think Toronto FC's got a lot of talent there. I think, and you know what, they still have Jermaine Defoe, and I think Jermaine Defoe is going to have a chip on his shoulder. And you get you get a you know after he didn't make the the, the England World Cup team. Uh, I think you're going to see a motivated Jermaine Defoe against a vulnerable Red Bulls defense, and you're going to see Jermaine Defoe put on a show. And I think TFC wins that game. It's a, look, Red Bulls are not a great road team, and I think I think they're going to come back down to earth. They already started to come back down to earth in that in that loss to the Chica- uh, Chicago. And I think Toronto, even without Bradley, I think they've got enough quality. And I think that was gonna... one game where their defense let up. Ivis, come on. Oh, what a- Oh, Vancouver? No, no. New York. Vancouver? That's two, that's Come on, details. That's week First one. Game of the that's four goals. I know. That's nine goals in two games. I know. On the, you know, I know. And eight. That was the last time they were in. Uh, oh, no. Wait. Actually, let's see. They've been to Canada twice already, and they've given up uh, quite a few goals up there. So, And I think TFC is uh, going to put a few more up on them. Six goals in two games, if that's what you're looking for, Ivis. That's a pretty good number. See, I, I'm, I bring stats to the show. That's what I bring to the show. Uh,. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> uh, RSL Colorado competing in the Rocky Mountain Cup. Uh, you know, this is this has kind of been an interesting one. You know, lots of draws. No team really winning it. Kind of an unfair advantage since since one team usually gets two home matches and then one team has an away match. But um, Real Salt Lake, Ivis, without Kyle Beckerman, without Nick Romando, uh, I mean, with their depth, I mean, this is going to be a really good opportunity for us to really see how Real Salt Lake is going to handle everything over the next month starting with this game this weekend. Yeah, you know, you don't want to write them off because they have such quality on their bench. But I think this first game, I think Colorado, look, Pablo Mastrani can't be happy the way they, they got smoked by Chivas USA in their last game. Uh, so I think this is going to be a week where he's really putting the <laughs> putting the wood to his team, uh, lighting a fire under them. And I think they're going to come out uh, come out strong. And I think, you know what, they I think they will hand RSL their first loss of the season. Really? I know it's blasphemy. I know. How dare you do don't, that? Don't Ives. be offended. I know it's, you know. I don't work for them anymore. You still have. Oh, so you did work for them. Nice. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, damn thank, it. Thank you. thank you for admitting that. So. I, didn't, I, I hate you. <laughs> yes. I, I hate you. Soundbite. Love it. Um, no, but yeah, no, nothing against ourselves, but I just feel like uh, 
when you when you when you lose Beckerman, Ramondo, and uh, and Sabario mm-hmm. all in one shot, uh, I, I I just feel like it's going to hit them at a point right now where they're going to be a little vulnerable, and they're not going to go undefeated for the year, right? I think I just feel like the letdown's going to happen. The letdown's coming at some point, and I think on the road against Colorado in this in this rivalry, I think I think it'll happen. And would it shock me if RSL won? No, it wouldn't shock me, but I think. Colorado, you know, it's MLS, so it's always like whatever you think should happen, and the opposite happens a lot. So I think Colorado, I tell you what, Colorado, I think they're going to pull it off this game. Uh, Portland will be hosting the Columbus crew this weekend. Columbus I guess, is, is another team that's going to be missing a couple of guys. I mean, obviously, Michael Perkers is with the U.S. men's national team, but when you look at Columbus's back line, Gonzalez is going to be gone. Uh, Francis is going to be gone. So we're going to see three new faces on Colorado's back line. And I mean, at Portland, they got to be licking their chops at this opportunity to run against a team that is going to have a bunch of new faces on, on their team. I mean, this could be a good opportunity for Portland to kind of really extend and, and kind of you know, get a few goals against a team that's on the road. Well, not only are they missing those guys, apparently Josh Williams is injured. And, I mean, Williams, Josh Williams was really supposed to be someone to help pick up the slack of the the absences of Gonzalez and Parker. So I don't know who Greg Berhalter is putting in the back, but uh, I think Portland's going to roll. I think they're going to steamroll this game. Um, you know, Columbus has is, is really, really been struggling to score goals. Uh, they've lost three in a row. They, they've got what are they on a six match winless streak all of a sudden that mm-hmm. I'd say what that three and oh start seems so long ago right now. Well, it seemed to almost like it seemed to raise expectations too high. It's like it set the bar to such a, which is a high standard that Columbus probably is not gonna be able to reach that at all this season. Well, look, it goes back to what we said before the season that, that their offense was gonna, uh, their offense, they didn't have enough. They needed to go get some more pieces to their attack. And I think the early part of the season, People felt comfortable with how they started. They started off pretty well. They, you know, they were scoring some goals. They had three goals, two goals, two goals, seven goals in their first three games, and they haven't put up multiple goals since then. And now they've gone three straight games without a goal. So, I think things are things could get pretty ugly in Columbus, uh, considering what it, you know the call ups to their defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know how you're going to deal with that, and and you know I think for me Portland. Uh, Caleb, I'm sure Caleb Porter was not happy with how they looked against the Galaxy last week, and I'm sure he's going to have them ready to roll. Uh, yeah, I, I like Portland to roll in this one, especially at home. I think they're going to take care of business. I think we could see a three or four spot put up. I was going to say, I mean, four zero shutout victory. Portland, man, Portland could use that right now. Bad. I'm going to go three nil. I mean, Portland's schedule is actually kind of uh, it's kind of letting up for them. They got Columbus, New York, Chivas, USA. Portland, man, they could put together. They could put together a nice little streak I, right now, Ivis. I, I thought you just said New York was red hot. Uh, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> details, dude. Details. Why you got to bring? You bring. See, that's the problem with this show. You're always bringing up old stuff. We can't. <laughs> we can't just progress and move on in this show. You're the one talking about 19, uh, 1908, uh You know, political I- ideology. What's wrong with that? Well, you just said bringing up old stuff. <laughs> You're talking about George Washington. I mean, really? <laughs> the way he said that was good. George Washington. Uh, <laughs> we've lost everyone on this show. Here, so, yeah, people think we're drunk. Uh, Montreal Ivis defeated Edmonton in the Midweek Canadian Championship. They're moving on. Uh, their reward is to play DC United, who's looked pretty good over the last few weeks. If you you know get rid of one DC's one loss to Portland on the road, DC Ivis has has looked pretty good. Um, 
and this one, Ivis, when you look at this one, is, is Montreal is Montreal's woes going to continue against uh, DC, who gets to keep Eddie Johnson? All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna. There's gonna be some history made right now. I want everyone to get ready and be prepared. I am about to pick DC United to win a game. Ooh, I know it's gonna come to a shock. It's gonna come as a shock to the system of some people because you hate DC, right? Uh, apparently that's what some people think. But you know what? <laughs> it, that's what a, you told me off the air. So just let everyone know. Yeah, exactly. I love DC, man. <laughs> I need to go back. I need an excuse to go to DC. DC is a cool city, man. I love hanging out. I love DC. DC is a good time. I love hanging out during the day, and I love hanging out at night. Nightlife is great. Day 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 life is great. It's a it's a popping city. I love it. But yeah. uh, as but back to the back to DC United, <laughs> uh, I haven't been sold on them. But you know what? That Philly game, that win in Philly, impressed me. And you know, did you know? It's not as if they you know they weren't like Barcelona and knocking it around and scoring a bunch of goals. But they just I, I just like their organization, their effort. Uh, I, they they have some quality there, right? And Chris Rolf, look, I hope I hope uh, Ben Olsen sends a thank you card to Chicago Fire for gift wrapping them. Uh, such an important player, and Chris Rolf, I mean, he's just what the doctor ordered for them. If they didn't have, if they didn't make that deal, uh, I, I would love. I, it'd be interesting to see where the uh, where the where DC United would be right now if they didn't go get Chris Rolf. And then that's the funny thing, right? Let's say Chicago turns things around, right? They got their first win. Uh. It it's gonna what well, it will be interesting if the fire just miss out on the playoffs and DC United just makes the playoffs. Chicago's gonna look at that trade and think, what the hell were we thinking? Why would we trade Chris Rolfe to an a rival, a supposed rival in the middle in the in the season? Uh, I, I didn't like that. I didn't like that trade to begin with. And look, you know, maybe Chicago, uh, you know what, they wanted to take care of their long serving player and he wanted to go there. Possibly, you know, maybe that's what was the deal. But you know what? For me, I, 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 you, this is why you don't make those kind of trades. You don't trade within your division, you're within your conference to to suppose a rival. And now DC United's reaping the rewards. Montreal's in rough shape. Um, I just they're they're in rough shape. So uh, you know what? I think DC DC rolls here. Fabian Espindola and Eddie Johnson. Eddie, listen, Eddie Johnson is going to score a goal this weekend. Put it in the book. At least one. He might score three. But he will score at least one goal, and I am looking forward to seeing his goal celebration. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, I'm writing. Uh, I wrote that in my book of uh, Ivis's bold predictions that he gets wrong all the time. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, Houston. We should, we should write ahead. down our predictions, yours and mine, and, and see who gets get gets right. More. <sighs> I don't know what you're talking about. Houston hosting <laughs> LA this weekend. Uh, we've talked about this last couple weeks. LA. Not scoring goals. Landon Donovan's not there, but it's not like he was scoring goals. Omar Gonzalez is going to be there this weekend. Guys need to step up on L.A. On the other side of the ball, you have Houston, who's looked good because Brad Davis is back. But Brad Davis is not going to be there. So I'm predicting, Ivis, a scoreless draw in this one. It's going to be a boring one. I'm calling it. You can book that in the Garrett's Book of Predictions. Okay. I'm convinced you you were in a coma last weekend because you don't remember any of last week's results. Houston is not on a roll. They just got smoked last week. I didn't say they were on a roll. I said that when Brad Davis came back off his injury, Houston was starting to look better. But Brad Davis isn't there. When Brad Davis isn't there, mm, Houston does not do that well. That can be construed as you saying that, that they're doing pretty well. I Okay, get that New York <laughs> stupid thing out of your head. You're bringing up old stuff again. What, what facts and details? Okay. No, nah, I'm just, just kidding. Um, no, you know what? L.A., here's the thing. I, I know some people will say, oh, Landon Donovan's not there. Omar Gonzalez is not there. 
Uh, they're going to struggle. They haven't even put results up with those guys. Now they're not going to have those guys. They're going to really struggle. You got to look at history, folks. Yeah. He earns his money in situations like this. He earns his money uh, when when the team's shorthanded and when he has to figure things out, when he has to find people to step up and step in. And and you know put and he has to put these patchwork teams together. He has done it in the, he's done it throughout his career. Uh, you know he's taken teams and you're looking at it and you're like oh wow yeah they're gonna have a tough time and he didn't gets results and he, I'm telling you what he's gonna do it again. Uh, and let, let's face it, LA still has quality. They still have Robbie Keane. Ishizaki looks good. Juninho's been quite quietly. Juninho's been having an unbelievable season for me. Uh, and I don't think and you know he gets overlooked there. Um, and Co- look, Kofi Opari will step in for Omar Gonzalez, and I think they'll be fine. Leonardo's still kind of the weak link for me on that defense. Uh, and then you have like a Jassy's artist who can step in for Landon Donovan. Uh, and yeah, look, it's not the same thing, but they're gonna they're gonna get results even without those guys. And Bruce Arena is gonna see to it because he just he press he puts he pushes the right buttons, he puts the right guys in. They're gonna be okay. Another game, FC Dallas hosting Chivas USA. FC Dallas, man, we talked about this. I've had a really rough week, losing three games in the span of seven days. Chivas USA coming off that loss against Colorado last week. Dallas, I mean, they had to be happy that they're home. But uh, this is a pretty big game for Dallas. They Not that, it, not that it's a must win, but, but they, I mean, this is a game, I said, that, that at home they need to beat Chivas USA. I'll tell you what. Uh, if, if Oscar Pereja... Is not called FEMA yet. He needs to because it is unbelievable. The injury crisis going on there. I mean, they're they're in a world of hurt. I mean, Mauro Diaz is getting hurt is one thing. Now you lose Henry Thomas for an extended period of time. And he's big for their midfield. So right there, boom, your center, your the central midfield pairing is not there. And uh, you know what? Do they have the backups there? I don't know. They already don't have George. They already been have been without George John. Uh, throughout the season, so they're in a tough spot. They're in a tough spot. So, uh, but they're at home. I'm not sold on Chivas USA as much as they had that big road win against Colorado. Still not sold on them. Uh, I'll tell you what, FC Dallas. They're gonna find a way. They're gonna get a win. They're gonna snap snap their four match losing streak. All right, I'm, book, I'm writing that down. Uh, San Jose, Seattle, this weekend, Seattle is at home. San Jose, obviously, without Clarence Goodson. Chris Wondolowski, both called into camp. Seattle has the depth at home. I was, Seattle should take care of business, correct? Yeah, I mean, even though they don't have Dempsey, Evans, and Yedlin, I think Obafemi Martins, Lamar Nagel, I think they get rolling. And, uh, yeah, yeah, San Jose. San, oh, San Jose, they're going to be without... Both center backs mm-hmm. and Wanderlaus. Right. Yeah, Victor Bernardes uh, has been suspended. Well, he, isn't he going to Honduras anyway? Oh, yeah, that's right. Sorry. So yeah, him, him and Goodson are out. Wanderlaus in camp. They're uh, yeah, no, they're gonna they're gonna get smoked. Oh, you know what? They should get smoked, but it's MLS. So if something crazy always happens. I still say Obafemi Martins has a game, tears it up. How many goals? Five. Two goals, two assists. Ooh, who gets the other two goals? Uh, Nagel with one and Chad Marshall with a header. I like that. It's a nice prediction. Chad Marshall, man, he's having a good year this year for them. Yeah, he's done really well. And uh, yeah, and it's uh, yeah. Is he is he uh, in the running for uh, best eleven? Well, yeah, he's defender of the year right now for my money. Mm-hmm. I like yeah, that. so no, yeah, no question. Right now, him and I mean, it, it has been him and Hedges, but it's still early. It's still early. I tell you what, Andrew, Andrew Farrell, folks, the guy's killing it at center back quietly. 
but surely he's making people forget Jose Gonzalez. No, he's killing it because you you keep talking him up. That's why. So we got to pay attention. Watch the games. They, they, <laughs> how many shutouts in a row have they had? Uh, they I knew that would get under your skin. No, I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. Like, what, what, they've, what, how many how many goals have they given up? Let's let's do the math here. One, two. They've given up two goals in five matches, and I don't know. I don't remember the exact game. Farrell moved the center back. But I think that's around the time that he was moved this to the starting center back role. So two goals in five matches. Him and AJ Soares playing really well, and yeah, he's in that. He's in the mix there. I, I, <laughs> nothing. Come on, man. I'm just being a punk. I, this is why yeah. we need. This is why one day we we need to have a show together in studio because I, I know I know what, I know what gets you riled up at this point. Ah, please, you think you know? I, oh, trust me. Oh, trust me. I know. Uh, the last thing before we wrap up the show, Ivis. Depending on when you're listening to the show, uh, SBI's Kaylin Murray, who does an excellent job covering all the women's news and just regular soccer news on SBI, is uh, confirmed that Jill Ellis uh, is going to be hired as the U.S. Women's National Team head coach. So, nice, nice hire, Ivis. What do you think about that? Well, what I what I find more interesting is the fact that you could butcher a perfectly normal American name like Caitlin Murray. What I say, Murray? Yeah, I know. Really? <laughs> I'm horrible with names. What do you What do you now, want from me? You know what? At least now I know it's not an ethnic thing, and that you because you, you're always butchering uh, butchering the uh, you know like Latin names and stuff. So at least at least now I, I've seen you butcher a, a completely American English name. So that's good to see. You don't discriminate in your. Awful name pronunciation. Well, here's the thing. I was going to say Kaylin Murray, but then I was like, well, how much has like a weird A at the end? So I might as well just go with the Murray. That's 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 what I was thinking. <laughs> I was I was overthinking. See, that that's the problem. You know me. When I when I think too much, I get into trouble. Yeah, you hurt yourself. It's not good. Yeah, it is good. My my my, my brain can't handle this this yeah. too thinking's much capacity. Not, thinking's not your specialty. No, it's not. Um, <laughs> diary of the mouth. That that is my specialty. That that is then your hair. That's your specialty. <laughs> there you go. Um, but, uh, yeah, what, what do no, you think but, of the hire? I mean, I was, her record as an interim coach, I was, she has yet to lose as an, as the interim coach in 2012. So, come on, she doesn't lose. Can't go wrong with that hire. I'm not. You know what? I, I, I'm not going to profess to be a, uh, an expert on the women's game, but just having read up on it lately, and Caitlin Murray's done a great job covering the women's national team for for SBI. Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know if this is the most inspired hiring hire, and like why you know it is. Switching from Sermani to Jalilis really that big a change? Is, is, I don't know. I, I, I'm not. I, I think it's for me. I think it's an underwhelming hire. And I and again, you, obviously, you have to look at the other options and and ask yourself, was she the best option? And and that remains to be seen. And I don't know, man. I I think it's an under, underwhelming hire. And and we'll see. We'll see when uh, in 2015 if they lift the World Cup, and if they don't, uh, we'll look back on this day and say, yeah, maybe maybe it wasn't wasn't the best hire. Yeah, there's gonna be a lot a lot of uh, finger pointing if that doesn't happen. I don't know, man. Maybe you know what I still say. Abby Wambach will probably be the head coach by the time the World Cup rolls around. Really? Interesting. Not really, but you know, I don't. I know. I know most people are the conspiracy theorists. Interesting. Think Interesting, this. Ivis. Nah, she's not really. Was it breaking Maybe, news? You know bum, 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 bum. Nah, but you know what? Maybe she, it wouldn't shock me if she really, if if this was done with her blessing, or that she is a fan of this move, because <laughs> you know that there seems to be that perception that you know, uh, Sermani was. She wasn't a fan of Sermani, and 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 thus a change was made, and now Jill Ellis has gotten a job, and 
I'm pretty, uh, it wouldn't shock me if she's pretty happy about this move. Well, Ivis, that wraps up a uh, SBI weekend end of the week show. Uh, before we wrap up, man, anything else that we need to talk about? I think, I think we covered all the bases in today's show. No, I think that's it. Yeah, you know, I, again, apologize for no midweek show. Things are just way too crazy uh, right now, and they will be crazy all the way through into the World Cup. Uh, it, it, it's, it's nuts. It's nuts, man. We're, we're going to have to start doing shorter shows, man. We're going to have to start doing like that's 15 impossible. minute hits every, uh, every day or something. something that, that's impossible. We can't do shorter shows. Cause every time you, you'd be like, Oh, let's do a shorter show today. And like a 30 minute show ends up being like a 50 minute show. Very true. Very true. So, so that's on th- you. Th- that, that's your bearing, fault. Thanks for bearing with us folks through our transition period and through Garrett's, uh, you know, Emotional breakdown. We'll, we'll be all right. What emotional breakdown? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I, I, this is, I told you. This is what happens when we record the show this early because that means I don't get enough sleep and, and then I'm, I'm a wreck in the morning. My, my face isn't on. My hair's not done. I'm like, I'm not ready. <laughs> my face is <laughs> on. Uh, I love it. I love it. But yeah, no. So, no, you know what? It, this is going to be a good few weeks. Uh, one, another good. I'll be down in I'll be down in Philly for Union uh, Revs. I'm definitely looking forward to that one, and uh, and then it's off to San Fran on Tuesday uh, to Palo Alto slash Stanford University. So, never been there. Looking forward to that. So if you're if you're in the NorCal area, uh, maybe we'll, we'll cross paths. And uh, don't be afraid to say hi. And I will be in the house. I'll be at the Azerbaijan match, and I'll be. Uh, Taking it in, taking it in San Francisco. Looking forward to it. Never, never had a chance to really walk around, and I've been at the airport, but that's about it. Um, where, where is, or are you having an SBI party in San Francisco? Because I mean, people got to buy Cosmopolitan and stuff. Uh, no, nah, you know, AO is going to have a uh, day before the game party, and you know, we <laughs> normally we don't normally for national team games. We, you know, we don't we 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 don't normally do SBI SBI party. We 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 did it for Arizona, obviously, because it's your hood. <laughs> But uh, no, I'll, I'll be hanging. I'm sure I'll be hanging out at the AO party. I'm just, I'm just dying for the opportunity to someone buy you a Cosmopolitan so you can come on the show and just like. <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I tell you what. I, mean, I would, I would, I would, uh, I would give props to anyone who would actually see me and 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 you know actually buy a Cosmo and, and bring it to me. That yeah, if someone cool. buys Ivis a Cosmo that'll in make, San Francisco at the AO party, please take a picture. That will make my day. I know, and then uh, just get the bail money ready for when assault <laughs> charges are filed. I'm, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just. I'm not a violent guy. I'm a, I'm a. I'm a nice guy. That's not true. You punched me really hard when you're out in Phoenix. I might have. I might have. I might have wrestled you. <laughs> I don't think I punched. You. Or, or I think I think like I was like jabbing you, and then you just like slugged me in the arm. I can't remember what it was. <laughs> you would have. <laughs> uh, nah, nah. Come on, man. I'm a, I'm a lover, not a fighter. Oh, you always <laughs> I miss we. <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll, you know what? We got to wrap up. We'll save this tangent for another show. Yeah. Uh, Get some coffee. All right, man. You have a good weekend. I will have a good weekend. And you and I will be back again on Sunday night with a show on Monday morning. So, Ivis, I'll talk to you later. All right, man. And as always, everyone, thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for the reviews on iTunes, the comments, and all the support you give the show for myself and for Ivis. Thanks for listening. This is the SBI Show.